In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, my Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. With your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present among us in the most blessed sacrament, this evening, Lord, we prepare to celebrate over the weekend the feast of your baptism, which is going to complete our Christmas season that we go back into ordinary time on on Monday morning. And so we, we complete, we fulfill the Christmas season with the celebration, Jesus, of your baptism. And, and oftentimes that, that kind of mirrors the case that when a, when a baby's born, right, the baby's born, everyone's celebrating, and then the baby is, is reborn in baptism, it, it kind of like completes the birth process, right? It's kind of like you go from just um, having a new baby in the hospital and then gingerly at home, and then eventually, you know, hopefully within a few weeks to a month, um, you baptize the baby, it's a, it's a fulfillment of, of the birth process where there is a, um, it's in one of the prefaces of, of one of the Eucharistic prayers that while the birth, I think it's the one for marriage, that while the birth of children gives joy to families and to parents and to the world, their rebirth in baptism adds new life to the church. And so Jesus is very fitting that we, we celebrate the feast of your baptism and that that brings to completion this, this Christmas mystery, this, this beautiful gift that you give us in the Christmas season. And so reading this year from St. Luke's account of, of all of this, um, well, first we, you know, we open up on John the Baptist. Um, people are asking John whether he's the Christ Jesus, like, is, is he you? <laughs> John, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you, are you the Christ? And, and John, very straightforward. No, I, I'm baptizing you with water. But one who is mightier than I, who's coming, the thong of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, and so now when all the people are baptized, all these people, they're going out to John and they're all, they're all being baptized. And that Jesus, you also had been baptized, right? You, were, you got in line to get baptized in Again, we, we hear in another account that John, John tries to stop you, Lord. You know, John, John, this isn't, this isn't fitting. This isn't right. I need, to, I need to be baptized by you, John says, right? It's, um, you, you're the one. You should be baptizing me. Um, that's in Matthew's account. I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus, you answer, let it be for now. For thus is fitting to fill all all righteousness, right? All holiness has to be filled up by Jesus himself being baptized. Now, to be baptized is to confess your sinfulness. This is what the baptism of John was. You confess, I'm a sinner. I need redemption. I need forgiveness. I need to be washed, right? Clean people don't take baths. Um, only dirty people do, right? It's only, um, they, you only need to be washed 
if, if you have something to wash. And so, um, and so Jesus, by getting in line to get baptized, you are um, you're identifying yourself with sinful humanity. You, you want to be numbered among the sinners, right? It is um, a little bit of the experience that we may have um, in just our, our modern time. Many of us haven't been baptized, potentially, as, as infants. Um, but it, it could be like wait, waiting in confession line, right? You're in line to go to confession. And like there's, there's a bunch of people in line. It's always wonderful. You try not to make eye contact with anyone. Um, but you're just waiting in line. We're a bunch of sinners. We've got to go to confession. And, um, and it could be, you know, as, as a priest, I go to confession. I, I usually go when I go to spiritual direction, so I don't have to wait in line or anything. But those times when I do go to, go to just, you know, a, a confession as they're scheduled and, and held somewhere and just waiting in line, and I'm, I'm usually always dressed like a priest. And, and other people are like, whoa, Father, what are you doing here? And if there's a big line, I, I don't know, sometimes I get those looks of like, hey, go over there and start helping out, right? You need to be hearing confessions. There's too many people here. But no, we all get in line. We're all sinners, right? And by seeing someone else in the confession line, it just kind of is an acknowledgement. Like, yeah, I'm a sinner too. I need the grace of God as well. We're in line because we're sinners. Well, Jesus, it'd be like if, if we have confessions and there's a line of people you know, and you just get in line with the rest of us. And it's like, well, what are you doing here? You, I confess my sins to you. You don't, you don't have to be in confession line, Jesus. You don't have to be in line to be baptized. But you want to be numbered among the sinners, right? You want, you want to be seen in that confession line. You, you identify with us. It's not just a show either. Like, you really are. You take upon yourself our sinful humanity, right? Even by, by standing in line to get baptized, you confess that you identify with us. And while you yourself, Lord, are, are without sin, you identify, you united yourself to our humanity, and we, we are sinful. You know, and so if you think, like, okay, they're in line to get baptized. Like, we have that, that tax collector, right, who extorts people and, you know, stole someone's house last week, and we have those prostitutes over there, and we have these other, these other sinners doing all kinds of other stuff, and we have the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, and there too, we hear Luke tells us, they're getting in line, they're asking John what to do. You know, the, the organized crime of the time, state-sponsored terrorism, and then God himself is right in line with them. Um, right there. Jesus, that's how you identify with us. You, you become one of us, and you share baptism. And then just even the, the process of being baptism is, as John would have done, John was a crazy man, right? In a good way. He was a wild man. Um, and so, you know, it'd be, a, it'd be a dunking baptism. So they're in the water. And, you know, the pictures we have, it's all, oh, look, John, he's just, you know, he's just drizzling a little bit of water. Like, no. He'd probably, like, shouting, repent, would be plunging you into the water. And I grew up, you know, my grandmother had a pool growing up. And when somebody, like, dunks you into the water, that's not a pleasant feeling, right? That, that's not, that's something that's really out of control by having someone forcibly push you underwater. And not just once, but maybe, you know, two, three times, right? Well, maybe just the once. Who knows how, exactly how John did it? But, like, repent, shouting in your face, and then pushing you underwater and pulling you up out of the water. And, geez, you subject yourself to that. 
Like, I don't know. If I was in water somewhere and somebody wanted to, like, violently push me under the water, I'd be like, get it back from me. And if I had the power of angels to, like, stop, like, don't, don't manhandle me. I, um, I'm not going to do that, right? You're crazy. Um, but no, that's what John, Jesus, you, you humble yourself, right? And if pride, if pride is the root of all sin, and the original sin was, was first a, a sin of pride, trying to grasp to be like God, to make ourselves gods, well, then the humility of being forcibly pushed underwater and pulled back up, confessing our sinfulness, that's, that's, that's the remedy there. Now, Jesus, um, you didn't need to be baptized. You were totally sinless. Um, but you, you take upon yourself our humanity. And it's, you know, when Jesus gets baptized... It's not baptism that makes Jesus holy, but it's uh, you, Lord, make baptism holy, right? By undergoing it yourself, you yourself um, make baptism holy, right? You have the holiness, and then baptism becomes holy because, Jesus, you've, you've done it for us. It's interesting because Luke as well, um, after Jesus baptized, that's when Luke gives his genealogy, basically showing going all the way back to Adam, right? Um, Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of Matthad, the son of Levi, all the way through to, um, to Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God, right? Jesus, you, you, it's, you share the human family, but our broken, our broken, our sinful humanity. Now, Lord, as we celebrate your baptism this weekend, it's a great time for us to, to pray with, to meditate upon our, our own baptisms and the effect of that baptism in our life. The day that we were baptized, everything changed for us, um, for all of eternity. The Catechism, uh, the Catholic Church teaches, that holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life the gateway to the life in the Spirit, and the door which gives access to all the other sacraments. Through baptism, we are freed from sin and reborn as sons of God. We become members of Christ, are incorporated into the church, and made sharers in her mission. Baptism is the sacrament of regeneration through water in the Word. And so, when we were baptized, whenever that may have been, whether we remember it or not, we were first washed clean of our sin, that we were born in a state of rebellion. We share sinful humanity. We, by our nature, we, we are part of the war against God. And so in baptism, we're, we're washed clean of our original sin. And if we were baptized as adults, of any personal sin, all personal sins, I love telling adults when they're to get baptized that they, um, that they don't have to go to confession. They're like, well, can I go to confession before getting baptized? Like, well, no. First, you can't because it won't do anything because baptism is, we hear there, the gateway to life of the Spirit and the door, which gives access to the other sacraments. So you can't receive any other sacrament until you're baptized. But also, you don't have to confess your sins, right? It's, the, it's kind of the one thing when you get baptized, if you get baptized as an adult, you don't have to confess your sins. You don't have to tell anyone what you did. You have to be sorry for it, 
But it's kind of the one time that the power of the sacrament of baptism, that in being baptized, we are washed from our sins. And so all original sin, that, that state of rebellion, and all personal sin is washed away. Now, the woundedness of that, like our humanity is still wounded. We still, we're still secret friends with sin. But the actual guilt of sin is, is washed away. The actual sin itself is washed away. And so how, how good is it, Lord, you, you, you take our sins away, right? And this happens in other places in the scripture where you say, like, your sins are forgiven. Um, like, you take our sins away. They're gone, washed clean in the waters of baptism. And so on whatever day that was that we were first washed, our sins were, were taken away by you, Lord. It's your, um, it's your grace. It's the grace of your baptism, making baptism holy. It's also the fact that we're, we're washed clean, uh, reborn in, in water and the Holy Spirit, um, in water and blood, right? We, St. John tells us how after you had died, they, um, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. Well, that water that flows forth from your pure side, Lord, is the water of baptism. It's made, baptism is made effective by the death of Christ, right? Even as a baby, when I'm baptized as a little baby, I'm purified, sanctified, washed clean by your precious blood, Lord. Blood and water flowing from the side of Christ, baptism in the Eucharist. And then in baptism, not only are we washed clean from sin, but we are we're lifted up, we're adopted into the life of the Trinity. We become adopted sons and daughters of God the Father, that, that God invites us in. He, he makes us part of his family. We should never uh, underestimate this, right? So there's, there's gratia sanans and gratia elevans. There's the grace that washes us, gratia sanans, it's... Um, healing grace, cleansing grace. And that's what happens, that's what takes away our sins. Gratia sanans. It's a grace that, that fixes our woundedness. But then there's also gratia elevans, right? Elevating grace. That Jesus, you don't just, um, you don't return us just to factory settings, right? You, you lift us up. You make us new. Um, and you, you elevate us, we're better. After we're baptized, we're, we're better than we were even before original sin because we're adopted. We hear when you were baptized. The heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon you in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Right? This manifestation is, again, why the, the Feast of the Epiphany actually includes the Feast of your Baptism, Lord. Because it's this revelation. You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. And those same words, maybe not with the heavens being torn open and maybe not visions of, of a dove representing the Holy Spirit, but those same things are said to us when we're baptized. You, you are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. I love you. Right? You're my beloved one. 
It's easy to say you're my son or you're my daughter, right? Okay, and that, that in and of itself is enough, but my beloved, right? You're my beloved son. I, I love you. You're my son. I love you. You're my daughter. I love you. And if we're baptized, we can hear God say those words to us again and again and again. You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. Right? If, if, we, just, if we just stick with that, if we, just, if we just let that kind of soak in the reality of our, of our divine filiation, right? That is um, how, how incredible that is for us, right? God is my father, St. Jose Maria Scrooge writes. God is my father. If you meditate on this, you'll never let go of this consoling thought. Jesus is my dear friend, another Mediterranean, who loves me with all the divine madness of his heart. The Holy Spirit is my consoler who guides me every step along the road. Consider this often. You are God's, and God is yours. Right? That is, I am a beloved son of the Father. No matter, it's my identity. No matter what happens in the course of my life, no matter what's going on, the Father says to me, because I am baptized, you're my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased, right? It's a good, um, it's a nice thing. It's a kind of a, a custom or something people do to pray with Psalm 2, particularly on, on Tuesdays. It's a nice day, Psalm 2. Um, and in Psalm 2, verse 7, well, first, Psalm 2 starts with like, why do the nations conspire in vain and the people plot in vain, right? The kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and his anointed, which anointed there is the word Christ, right? Against the Lord and his Christ. Let us burst their bonds asunder. Let us cast their cords from us, right? That the nations of the world want to cast off God. But he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord has them in derision, right? He's laughing, them in deri- laughing at them in derision. They think they're going to cast him off. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, I have set my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I'll tell you the decree of the Lord. He said to me, now speaking to the king, who is being attacked, who is being, being surrounded by the kings of the earth, but God's own anointed king, you are my beloved son. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. In the midst of our daily life, it can seem like a lot of things are, are lined up against us. And that there's foes on every side at times. Maybe. Maybe not. But if that's how we ever feel, like there's all kinds of stuff, whether it's external, whether it's internal, or whatever's going on. And those who want to hurt us, the Lord is laughing them to scorn. Because he says to us, to me, you're my beloved son. You're my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask, and I'll make the nations your heritage. Right? All we have to do is ask. Our Father want, just wants to, to give us good things. We've been adopted in baptism. We're sons and daughters of God the Father. Just ask. Ask anything you want. Just ask me. I'll give you the nations as your heritage. The ends of the earth for your possession. You're going to break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. 
Lord, all we have to do is ask, you are my beloved son. Because we've been baptized, we add this actually is a reality. It's a reality in our life because of our baptism that we are beloved sons and daughters of God the Father. It's not just a, a metaphor, right? There's a lot of, we have a lot of metaphors. This is not a metaphor. You, Lord, are the son by nature. And in baptism, we become sons and daughters by adoption. Real adopted sons and daughters of God the Father. Of the Father, like the Father of the Trinity. Calls us his son, his daughter. And we're made children of God, really children of God. Like what a blessing, you know, sometimes we see, it may have been our personal experience, it may not have been. Um, it could be a hard thing to meditate with sometimes. But when we see like children in a very loving household, right? Little kids, two, three years old. I think of, of my niece and nephew. My sister and brother-in-law are incredible parents, and it's just a very loving house, and particularly my brother-in-law is so, so, so good with the kids. Um, and he's so loving and so attentive. You just see, like, oh, these kids are so, they don't even know how blessed they are, right? They're living in such a loving household. In this case, they have such, I mean, they have such a good mom and dad, but what a blessing. What, what innocence they could have, what joy they can have because of that blessing of living in a, in a beautiful household. Well, all the more so with our, with our divine life. We're made children of God the Father. I live in your household, Lord. And that's, you know, we're, we're made members, sharers of the church, right? We're part of the household of the children of God. We're children in your house, Lord, in the church. And so by baptism, we are incorporated into the church. We're fully members of the church. Not, there's no second-class you know, Christians. We bear your name. We're called Christians. We're made one with you. And on account of this baptism, this life of grace that's given us, it's called to really grow. We have, we have to grow in our holiness. We, we are holy. Baptism makes us holy. We are saints, sanctus, sancti, on account of our baptism, real saints. And then, therefore, every one of us, on a, we can underestimate baptism. We could think, like, who are the people that are supposed to be holy? Well, priests. You want to be holy, be a priest. You want to be holy, be religious, right? Become a monk or a nun or a sister or brother. No, who is supposed to be holy? Every single baptized person is called to live out radical holiness. I'm a son of God the Father. I have to live radical holiness. Right? No matter where I am, whatever state in life I'm in, each of us is called to live radical holiness. And then a final point is that we are incorporated as well into the church and made sharers in her mission, which means that we have a call to apostolate, that we have, we have to spread the gospel, Right? We share in the church's mission, not because someone gives us permission, not because we ask our pastor, can we start a Bible study or this ministry or that ministry? No, no, no. Forget about asking your pastor. Just go do it, right? Don't do anything too radical. And if it's theological, always, always check to be sure you're not leading people astray. But you don't need permission to spread the gospel, to just share the gospel with friends, family members, coworkers. You don't need anyone's permission for that. You have it on account of your baptism. We're made shares in the mission of the church, the salvation of all people. 
And it's on account of our baptism. So if we're baptized, we are part of the mission. It's our mission. It's not just someone else's mission. Oftentimes, you know, things can seem like we're all going in directions, right? My job as a priest is to be the lobbyist for the church and for holiness. But, you know, your job is to be a lobbyist for the grocery store. And your job is to be a lobbyist for the movie industry. And your job is to be a lobbyist for... No! If you're baptized, you spread the gospel. You speak on behalf of Christ. It's your job, if you're baptized, to help others grow in holiness. This great sacrament of baptism, really made, sons and daughters of God the Father, our sins really washed clean. In baptism, as well, we, we acquire a new relationship to our mother, right? Mary really becomes our, our mother because we're made sharers with the life of Christ. Um, we become other Christ. Mary is, is really our mother. When we call her mother, we mean it. She is, she's the mother of our interior life. She's the mother of our holiness. And so we ask our mother to pray for us, to help us understand and love the grace of baptism. Mary, pray for us so we can faithfully live out the call and all the joys of holy baptism. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, and my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.